Just give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. As a filmmaker, positive psychology coach, author, professor, and change agent specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cybers Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. On the show, she also focuses on military families and service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury and other post-deployment civilian life reintegration issues. So, let's spend some time getting to the heart of the matter on Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, where we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is all about the heart. Let's get to it today because we are focusing on coexistence, on acceptance, on the kinds of behaviors, the kinds of ways of being at the world that inspire and help propagate, I love that word, propagate well-being. Barry Dennis is the founder of Coexist Celebration in Portland, Oregon. He's the author of three original music CDs and over 300 short stories. He's delivered hundreds of inspirational presentations around the world, and his new book, The Tchotchke Challenge, which has recently been published by Hay House, is receiving rave reviews. He's worked with many of the most well-known human potential leaders in the world today, such as Dr. Wayne Dyer, Marianne Williamson, Alan Cohen, Dr. Harold Bloomfield, Dr. John Gray, Deepak Chopra, Gary Zukov, Reverend Michael Beckwith, Gene Houston, and many, many, many more. Barry, let's just jump right into this tchotchke challenge. I love the name of your book. It's put a smile on my face. Well, that's good because we're all about happiness, right? <laughs> we are all about happiness, but I think that you've got to decode what tchotchke means for some of our listeners. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Shall I jump into that a little bit? Yes, de-tchotchkeify the meaning of tchotchke. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, it's a long story, but I'll make it as short as I can. Uh, tchotchke is this funny word that encompasses so much. It's probably a 2,000-year-old word. And in our culture, we generally think of those who are familiar with the word, we generally think of it as like knickknacks and doodads and whatnot, which, which are funny words in and of themselves. You know, what's a doodad? You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but little things, collectibles, stuff that we might purchase and buy and put on a shelf and kind of wonder you know, what, what possessed me? What, like a year later, you know, why did I buy this little thing when I was on vacation? What, what, why in the world would I spend my money and my energy? And then I was on a shelf and now I have to move and I have to pack it up and put it somewhere when I get there. And so that's kind of the, the shallow, the first level of understanding Chachki. But as I rolled up my sleeves and began to recognize deep, sort of a, a deep um, inconsistency with what our values were, da- uh, with with what we what we really want to create our values with how we're actually acting in the world. I began to see that tchotchke is a much bigger thing, and and began to see that really it's anything that we bring into our lives that isn't supporting our soul, isn't helping us create true happiness, that isn't supporting what we wish to create, be, do, and have.
have in the world and the future world we want to create for our children. And so it gets very deep, this idea of tchotchke, not just physical things, but tchotchke thoughts, tchotchke emotions, tchotchke actions, all these things. And I've created a whole new language to help support this incredible, bizarre philosophy I've created. <laughs> the ch- uh, speak, I guess it would be called. You're Right? We're speaking in tchotchkelas. Yes, tchotchkelas. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, with within the Chachkala languaging, you have these three LPs. And for those of us of a certain age, LPs mean something very, very different than what you're yeah. about to share. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes, the old LPs, the, the vinyl, um, which we don't see anymore. Now the three LPs. So really everything, yes, everything I do revolves around what I call the three LPs, which is live your passion, love your people, and lift the planet live your passion, love your people, and lift the planet. I believe, and, and these three LPs came to me, they weren't my idea. It wasn't a situation where I was going, hmm, what do I stand for? And, you know, what do I want to be about? It wasn't like that. It was just me in the world speaking and meeting people and doing events and seminars and talking to people and feeling their energy. And I began to realize that this is what's up. It's kind of the next stage I call it the next stage in evolution, is that we don't really have a choice anymore because we stand on the shoulders uh, of our ancestors who have given us an incredible gift in this world. We are, we, we are the most abundant people who have ever lived. We have more, and there's, with that comes a yearning, a desire. We no longer have to be concerned about, you know, for, for much of the planet, not all the planet, but much of the planet. We're not concerned about what, you know, whether we're going to have something to eat. We're not concerned about whether we're going to have shelter you know, uh, and, and clothing. That's handled for much of the world. And those of us who have that handled now are standing on the shoulders of of our our ancestors who gave us this gift. And their question was, how am I going to eat? How am I going to survive? They've given us a gift where we no longer have to think about those things. So what's, what's bubbling up inside of us? The next stage in evolution. And that next stage is, what is my passion? What is my gift? How can I take this vibration even higher? So living our passion and loving more deeply. There wasn't a question in the past about, you know, am I going to love this person or this family that I have or these people in my world? It was survival. But now we choose love. We choose it, and we wish to go deeper with more intimacy as we step into our passion. And finally, the third thing, lift the planet. There's this vibration in the world of people who have things, the blessed ones who have things so taken care of that we feel a desire, a need, because we understand what's happening to do things that help create a better world in every way, so that with, through, hum- through humanity to create peace, but also with the earth to live sustainably, so that because of our blessings, the, the paradox, of course, is all these blessings we received in many ways are turning around and actually hurting the planet. So we have to raise our consciousness, our awareness, and our actions to do these three things to become the next level in our evolution. Live, the, love, live your passion, love your people, live the planet. Well, I couldn't agree with you more because it also, the science behind happiness, you know, in, in the study of uh, positive psychology and the, uh, the science of human flourishing, the, um, uh, it's it, it, impactful what happens to us when we do live our passion. What happens when we are learning to connect with others on a more deeply uh, humanistic and intimate level? We become happier. I mean, the byproduct of doing what you are suggesting is happiness. It is not the goal necessarily, but it's certainly the the byproduct. It is the result when we do these things, when when we are more deeply connected with what it is that uh, makes us feel fulfilled as a human being, we are going to certainly have a smile on our face more often. Absolutely. And that's part of what I'm trying to convey to everybody is that my book, The Tchotchke Challenge, is this profound exercise in looking at every aspect of our life. And I have a web program, The Tchotchke Life Challenge. It's a a profound journey of looking at every aspect of life and letting go, letting go, letting go. The art of subtraction. We're good at adding. Oh, God, are we good at adding (laughs) to the point of complete stress, and it stresses the planet, it stresses us out, but we're told by our culture that more is better and that, you know, if you get this product or do this thing or act this certain way and keep up with the Joneses and all that, it will validate you as a human being. Well, of course, that is a completely mixed-up message. 
And so we want to get in touch with our own soul and begin letting go, letting go, letting go of all the things that are actually weighing us down, stressing us out. Everything from pipalachkis to technochki to infomachki to popper, the paparachki, which is how we're addicted <laughs> to taking pictures. You know, now with our cell phones, we take pictures instead of being present. So that's you're a member of the paparachki. And what we ultimately want to attain as human beings, this is the highest state of consciousness known to humanity, by the way, is liberachki, the complete and total freedom of all things tchotchke that have been weighing us down. And as I approach this with people, it, you know, sometimes it's like, well, that, you know, I don't want to let go of stuff, but getting them to understand actually your happiness is in letting go of that stuff and following your soul, following your soul. That is truth. True happiness comes through purpose in life. And as we step into our purpose and give our passion and love more deeply and do something that creates a better world, we, the byproduct, is suddenly we are the receivers of the gift. So it's not something we're actually giving up at all. That's the thing that, you know, that I'm trying to make everybody understand. You're not giving anything up. You're actually get, you are gaining everything. In the Buddhist tradition, of course, it is said that love and compassion is the highest form of selfishness. There's no, there's no unselfish act. It's just whether you're doing something that lifts you up truly and makes a difference in the world, you receive happiness from that. So there's no unselfish act. So letting go, stepping into your passion, doing what you love, giving your gifts to the world, doing these things, a loving heart is actually going to bring you true happiness. And making that connection is part of this, what I call this next stage in evolution, is making the connection that our happiness comes in our giving and our giving of our passion and our going deep in our love. We've, we've still got to learn that a little bit. Um, I, I'm still having a chuckle over here about Liberachki. You know, I oh, think that, you know, that I, that I want to live in a state of Liberachkihood, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, I, I love what you're doing because I, everything I do has humor in it. So, you know, when I'm speaking in my music and my writing, I make it all very, very humorous because why not? It's, it is joyful. It's fun. And, and bringing that laughter and that smile, you know, it, that cosmic joke as we awaken is the way to do it. It's not, a, it doesn't have to be a serious, intense thing. It's a joyful thing. Right, exactly. And, and the elimination of needless suffering, you know, we all recognize that life, that suffering comes with the human package, you know, it's part of our experience. But it's yes. the elimination of needless suffering that is within our control. And as I see it, it is through these pathways of letting go or the art of subtraction, as, as you call it, which I think is terrific. Um, We're going to go to a break and when we come back, I would love to talk about the tchotchke challenge as it relates to sustainability because this is a very interesting angle as well because you talk about the notion of pre-cycling. So I would love to to, to touch on that. Um, The book is The Tchotchke Challenge. It's published by Hay House and to learn more about you and the Tchotchke Challenge and the coursework that you're doing, uh, our listeners can visit BarryADennis.com. Is there a Twitter handle that our listeners can follow you at? No, there's not a Twitter. I'm not doing that yet. (laughs) I may never do it. <laughs> you may you may not want to because it 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 plays into that sort of a constant uh the constant 24/7 news feed and so I know, maybe and I'm, I'm maybe you're going to opt out of it. <laughs> I'm kind of opting out of it. Another wonderful you're, thing that listeners can do is is go to gift from Barry. So giftfrombarry.com is a wonderful it's a place where you can go and get uh, experience some of my web program, which is hilarious. People just Wonderful. and then it's becoming a rage across the planet. It's called Gift. If you go to giftfrombarry.com, you can go and experience some of my uh, web program that relates to the book. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on t-shirts, baseball caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. Please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com.
Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life. Available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen. Back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download the podcast of today's episode because it's kind, it's free, it's legal, and it should be shared. We're talking with Barry A. Dennis about his new book, The Tchotchke Challenge. And really, The Tchotchke Challenge, is, I'll let him tell you in his own words, but it's really about eliminating the extraneous noise and objects in our orbit that will ultimately create more happiness in our lives. So Barry, let's talk about the Tchotchke Challenge and how it relates to sustainability, because this is very interesting. Well, it, it, it is a direct relation to sustainability. The interesting thing that I realized the more I got into the, the idea of what I, what I discovered as the Tchotchke Challenge, it's our, it's our paradigm. So we live in this paradigm in our culture that I call the Tchotchke Paradigm. And that paradigm basically is constantly telling us that more that there's something missing, Okay, so there's something missing in us, and we need this something more to be accepted and better, and then we'll be okay. But of course, there's no end to that. So it's always something more, always something missing. You'll see how everything's connected here as we get into sustainability. So if we live in a world where we're constantly told there's something missing, therefore in us, with us, something's wrong with us, we constantly need more, whether it's more food, more junk food, more stuff, more things, more information, whatever it is, we're told that. So you can see the direct relation. Not only does that hurt us psychologically and spiritually to be told this every single day when we are actually perfect, whole, and complete just as we are. We have every right to be happy in every moment right now, but we're told something different. You can see the connection now. So if we're told that and we believe that, then what do we do? We get more, we buy more, we create things that are not necessary. Excess, 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 excess. Okay, so that fills in the hole within us, but of course it fills nothing whatsoever. We, we try to fill the hole in us with all that excess food and all the excess stuff and all the excess gossip and all the excess information. We try to fill that hole. It's never going to do it. Next step, where does all that stuff come from? <laughs> There's only one place, the planet Earth. And so we dig holes, we cut down trees, we cut down planets, pl- uh, plants, and we kill animals to build things, to create things, to try to fill an artificial hole that we've created in ourselves because we're told every day something's missing. And around and around and around it goes. And so we dig more holes, we make more plastic junk in China or wherever, and we haul it across the United States to make Happy Meals. So we tell our children this little junk piece of plastic will actually make them happy in a bunch of food that's actually killing them. So this thing, and we all know how long a Happy Meal lasts, a little toy that lasts maybe two minutes, and their children throw it away because <laughs> it didn't really make them happy. And then where do they throw it? And it ends up going where? In the trash, in another hole in the planet, and it sits there in a form that the planet cannot even digest, so it gives her constipation. But I've been thinking lately, it's probably healthier to eat the toy and play with the food. So that is our sustainability service <laughs> with all the tragedy. <laughs> Whoa. I, you know, I, I, I do think there's something to what you're sharing here. You know, yeah, and, and, and we, by nature, are programmed at this point in society or in this point in our culture to be bowls with a hole. You know, it's like that we can never fill ourselves up 
with the messages because of the messages we are getting externally. And so what I hear you saying is through this concept of the art of of subtraction, of getting rid of the extraneous, that we can begin to fill our bowls, if you will, um, metaphorically, with something that is much more rich and satisfying than that which we can find on the outside. Yeah, and that's that live your passion, love your people, lift your planet. It's that. You know, when you're living your passion and you're loving more deeply with your people and you're doing something that helps humanity slash the actual earth, you get filled. It fills your soul. And they're all connected. When we're living our passion in our lives, that which we're here to do, that helps the planet. I guarantee it. It helps the planet. When we're really in, not with our ego, but when, when we are in touch with our soul, our spirit, our essence, and that the work is getting, and I help with my book, I do that, but help us find our soul rather than the ego. But when we're moving from that place, then suddenly we begin to love more deeply. We begin to lift the planet. We begin to connect with all those things. Because the, the stuff that we're told will, will fill us will never fill us up. And while we're trying to fill ourselves up with all that excess stuff, we're hurting the planet. You know, we're, that's, that's just, it's just a double negative, you know, constantly going around and around and around. What is pre-cycling? So pre-cycling, yes, this is a, something I came up with that I, I found to be incredibly powerful and helpful. And it basically is, there's, a, there's actually a lot of science to everything I'm teaching. And what we, what we really want, if you don't mind, I'll put you on the spot for a moment. What is it that oftentimes there's things that we need and things that support our soul? Wonderful, great, perfect. Get those things, okay? But then there's excess, and of course, my work is all about let's get aware of where, where we cross what I call the line of excess. And anything that goes across the line of excess has become tchotchke. So one water bottle, for example, a reusable water bottle, one in your home, I would argue is not tchotchke. Would two become tchotchke? Well, that's, you know, how about three? How about four? How about five? How about six? How about seven, 10, 12? There's a point where that falls over the line and those water bottles become water bottle tchotchke. So it's about excess. <laughs> Right? And so we want to get rid of all that excess because it's stressing us out. You know, we got to take care of them, clean them, pack them up when we move, unpack them. But, but let me ask you really quickly, when, you're, when we're walking around, and let's say we're going through the mall or whatever, and we're caught up in consumerism, and, and we want to, you know, we're caught in this world where we're supposed to be, quote, good consumers, which is a part of the brainwashing that we want to get, be aware of. But, but let me ask you, what is it that you think we really want? If it's not the thing, what is it that we actually want when we get the thing or when we're in the mall, we, we buy the thing? What, your, what, what, do you, what do you think that might be? Well, I know from my own experience and from the clients that I work with that, that we are yearning for a pleasure spike. Usually right. we went, when we buy something, it's a, a consumer item, we are, yeah. we are seeking a momentary relief from uh, a negative emotion and, and uh, to be replaced with a temporary spike in an artificial positive emotion. And it is artificial. It is, completely. And you're right. So what we're looking for, what we want, the way I put it is that is right. And it is, it is scientifically studied everything that, that we're so programmed to be, quote, good consumers that when we go shopping, endorphins are released within us. But when we get home, the endorphins are gone, and so the stuff is no longer... It's not doing the thing for us anymore, so we've got to get more stuff. So what we want is the feeling, okay? We don't want the thing. We actually want the feeling. And so pre-cycling is just a conscious awareness of what is happening. So what you do then is go, when, you're, when you, you know, this is something I have people do all the time. When you're out into the world, pre-cycle it. So don't recycle it because recycling is, it's, you know, it's not helping that much. Yes, it's better than throwing away, but it's, it's not helping that much. Pre-cycling now, this is where we raise our consciousness and go to a whole other level. So when we get caught in the tchotchke trance and we actually believe that, you know, this thing is what I want, when truthfully all you want is the feeling you think it's going to give you, but it won't long-term at all, just take the thing and hold it in your hand or look at it for a moment and take a deep breath and feel that energy and you will feel a a sense of well-being it'll come because endorphins will be released in your body okay and so you just instead and so the thing is you don't need the thing you've got the feeling now you don't need the thing the feeling is erosion within you i call it turning the tchotchke campaign on its 
turning it right around on its face and shoplifting for the soul. Because all of a sudden, your well-being, which you deserve to have right here and right now without buying anything to validate you, is suddenly awakened within you. As soon as you get that feeling, put the thing out and run away. (laughs) Just get the heck out of there. But feel the feeling and come to terms with what's happening. That you, I, all of us have been controlled. You know, bullet, bullet, big, big bulletin boards like billboards on, on freeways and such, their, their goal is actually to, to make you fall in love with the bulletin board, with what's happening, which is to raise your heartbeat. To, they try to do this scientifically. Dilate your eyes, raise your heartbeat, and have a sense of falling in love with whatever image it is on that billboard. And it's, 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 a, it's a crazy manipulation. And so allowing ourselves to actually feel the feeling, which is what we really want, put the thing away, step back, and realize, hey, I'm in control of my destiny. I make the choice to be happy. And the more we get, the better we get at this, the more we, we don't even need to play the game anymore. We can actually sit and be still and raise our own happiness level more and more in meditation and thought processes that I teach. You know? So that's pre-cycling. You don't even need it. Put, don't even get it. You just, <laughs> you, before you even get the thing, you put it back and you've received the gift you wanted in the first place. That's part of it. There's, it goes deeper than that, but that's a big part of it. That's a terrific explanation. Let's talk for a moment about your definition of happiness and the, uh, the monk's perspective of happiness, which may be very close or they may be the same. But what is this gig called happiness in, in your estimation? Now, are you, re- are you referencing um, the story in my book on the monk? I'm, I'm referencing a, a, a talking point that I have here. It says, what is happiness? Oh, what do I the monks yeah, have yeah, yeah. to say about it? <laughs> yeah, I got it. I got it. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so we've, we're, we're starting to touch, touch base on that. But one time I was speaking, and I, and I said to a, a group of people, you know, they, scientists were doing these experiments uh, to find – to measure happiness. And they were doing these experiments in different cultures and different religions and different philosophies and all over the world to see who was happiest, right? And they actually were able to measure the brain waves and the part of the, the, that part of the brain where happiness arises, when that is lit up, when energy is there, when electrical neurons are firing in that specific area, the frontal lobe area, then happiness is, is, is being experienced, peace and joy. And so they would go to different cultures and different people and just say, "Be ha-, you know, sit, sit and be, just try to be happy, and we'll measure your mind and see." So they did this all over the world <clears throat> with different cultures and people, and they ended up coming to the Dalai Lama and said, "We would like to do this with some of some of your students and some of the people here, some of the monks." And they did this very thing, and they found that um, these monks were the happiest people they'd ever measured on the on the planet. Of course we must understand they don't have anything, okay? They have robes over their body, and they basically don't have anything, which goes right in the face of what we believe creates happiness, and yet they were the happiest people they'd ever measured. One in particular was so profoundly happy, they, they believe that this may very well be the happiest person on the planet, certainly one of the happiest beings who's ever lived in history. So they did these exercises and found, and they even tried to rattle these monks. They even tried to get, you know, and, and they'd go into meditation and create happiness that just they couldn't believe. And they even did things like shooting guns behind their head to try to rattle them, but they wouldn't even move or shake because they were in such peace. So I said to a group, of, a, a group one time, I, I said, well, so if, if I could hold in my hand, if I could give to you the, hap- the consciousness of the happiest, this monk, the consciousness that you could have it, this how much happiness on one hand or on this other hand if i had 50 million dollars which one would you take and this group of 300 people got very quiet (laughs) and then finally one person yelled out i take the money and everybody laughed the irony of course is if we take the money we would be spending our entire life trying to buy what the happiness of that monk we would spend our life trying to buy the happiness of that monk. And yet, we're so indoctrinated into this culture, we think that money is going to buy us that. What do we want? 
Well, we want to be happy, and that's what we think the money's going to buy. And yet, right in that group of people, you know, it was this paradox where everybody was faced with what I call the tchotchke paradigm, believing that, oh, my God, even though they've proven this happiness is right here in this consciousness, it was very hard for people in the room to decide to choose that over, over money. So happiness has nothing to do with, ultimately, has very little or nothing to do with money or things or status or symbol or recognition. It is a internal experience. It's an internal, it's an inside job. And getting there. Oh, yeah. That's what we say over here. We are out of time, Barry. You're just going to have to come back and visit us again. To learn more about Barry, you can find out about the Tchotchke Challenge at BarryADennis.com. And the second location is it's a gift from Barry.com? Yeah, it's just just gift from Barry. G-I-F-T-F-R-O-M-B-A-R-R-Y. Gift from Barry. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, this has been a wonderful couple of segments, sharing the tchotchke challenge and learning tchotchke speak. And I'm going to make my way through the day with a smile on my face, the state of tchotchke, uh, of Liberachki, right? Liberachki. That's what it is? That's where we're headed. We're headed to Liberachki. Have a beautiful day, and thanks again, Barry. You're so welcome. I'm glad to be here. Me too. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress-Kamen has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life. Available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download this podcast in its entirety on iTunes. It's available 24-7, it's kind, it's legal, and it is free. Today we are talking about methods of happiness. We do this a lot on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, but really what we're doing is we're breaking down ways, pathways to increase positive emotion, to increase well-being in our lives. And my next guest is just doing that, and he's doing it in a very interesting way. Daniel Parmigiani was born in Caracas, Venezuela, and moved to the United States when he was 12 years old. He grew up in a household traumatized by the violent death of his older brother and was caught between, between two radically different parental world views. Young Daniel often felt guilty, isolated, and depressed. Finally, at the age of 17, after failing to find relief in either religion or psychoanalysis, he experienced a profoundly cathartic vision of self-forgiveness and self-love. Feeling it was his responsibility I'll do over that. Feeling it was his responsibility to present this important spiritual message to the world in a real and unpretentious way, Daniel decided to write his first book, The Magnificent Truths of Our Existence, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Welcome, Daniel. Hi, Lisa. Thank you for having me on your show. Oh, we're thrilled that you are here, and I am eager to learn about these magnificent truths because... You approach this methodology of happiness, of well-being, of self-love, of of self-forgiveness from a very different angle than most. You, uh, by day, 
are a day trader, which some would profess to be a very risky, adrenaline junkie riddled profession. <laughs> to say the least. To say the least. And I find that very interesting that um, you blend this um, uh, very fast paced, risky, you know, day career with the other part of your career, your life, your passion, which is the spiritual pursuit. Well, you know, um, happiness and being having a good life and a happy, peaceful life has really nothing to do with, with your accomplishments and or the money you're making. And that's what allows me, that perspective is what allows me to be successful at what I do and to just take it day by day and not put any pressure on myself to, to perform or to uh, um, reach certain levels. So I, I do the, the stock market trading very relaxed and uh, just uh, detached from the results. And uh, I actually find a spiritual practice in it. I feel that trading stocks is very spiritual. And the reason is that it makes you feel, it, it makes you be under control at all times. It makes you, it forces you to be in the moment. And it forces you to be patient, to... Uh, release the past constantly. I mean, it's it's a hell of a spiritual practice, if you ask me. Uh, you know, I would agree. Although I'm not a day trader and I'm actually quite risk adverse, I believe in my beliefs, although I've been told differently, I understand that when we can bring ourselves to the present moment, we can stay focused at hand at what we're doing. And I liken it to, um, you, you might giggle, but it's almost like making love with life. You know, that it, when you are present, when you are aware of what you're doing, what your body is doing, what your mind is doing, you are in a fully alive, present, and engaged Place and the depression of the past or the worry of the past does not exist or certainly does not define us in that moment. Yes, uh, when we're able to embrace things just as they are and understand that, and this is a major theme in my book, that nothing is ever a mistake. You are not a mistake. Your past was not a mistake. And your current condition is not a mistake. And when you can see things as it's all about perception, it's all about how you interpret your life, yourself and other people. And if you interpret them in a positive, necessary way, like if this is happening, it needs to happen. If that happened, it had to happen. And it, it's creating a better result for me at some point. If we can hold on to these perceptions, then life becomes a joy and an adventure. That's how I see it. I try to constantly remind myself of the that we cannot understand sometimes why things happen, but in the big picture, it always makes sense. Let me ask you a couple of the main truths, because what I hear as the theme is there are no accidents. Everything is an opportunity for growth and transformation. And I'm sure you have others that you can share, and maybe these are not on on target. But I, I, based on your 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 life story and your past, you've had some traumatic events, and you have been able to walk this talk. The major truth that I uh, was blessed with, that I awoke to, at a very difficult time in my life, is that I am always innocent. Mm. That the discovery of our own innocence, that we are all equally innocent at all times, to the point that we're incapable of being anything but innocent. That is what liberated me from guilt, from self-criticism, from judgment, and what allowed me to understand other people, where they're coming from, why they do the things they do, and to embrace other people's actions and decisions as the only possible path they had at that moment. This is this is what totally turned things around for me. And could you clarify what you mean by innocence? That it's what I hear you saying that it's almost a spiritual or soul level kind of innocence. It is uh, innocence in the sense that we are not good or bad people. That nobody is better or worse than you are. 
nobody's more or less worthy of embracing of love. We're all doing the best we can with what we know at each moment because we all have the same exact goal in life and that is a state of mind. We're all looking for the same happiness, lasting, uh, fulfilling state of happiness and inner peace and love. This is all we want. These are the highest feelings that we're all capable of. And of course, every, that's all we want because all we want are, is to feel better. This is what I realized at that time in my life, that our only motivation is always to improve how we feel and to get closer and closer to that ultimate state of happiness that we all long for, that inner heaven that is sometimes talked about. That's what we all want, and that's what makes us innocent and pure in intent. I like that that in that in concept of inner heaven, which is really where happiness resides. It comes from the inner space, not the outer space. Yes, and we have this naturally when we're born. You see that when you look at little kids, you can see that happiness. You can see that they have they lack all the baggage that we acquire later on that just ruins everything, all the guilt, all the judgment. The little kids, they don't, they don't wonder if they're worthy. They don't wonder if they're good enough for their own self-embrace. They don't wonder if they're better or worse than others. And, that's, and, and when you don't wonder these things, you have that natural state of happiness. You have that life is, is, is wonderful. And you, and you sleep well at night. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all stuff we acquire along the way. And I say that it's all based not on reality, but on, on fiction. We are not these uh, guilty creatures or uh, unworthy beings. We're always the same innocent beings that just lose our way along the way. So true, so true. Very well said. One of the things that I've realized after working in the field of positive psychology for many years and really grappling with human happiness and, and the happiness response that we have is for some people, they wouldn't necessarily lay claim or even desire happiness. They desire or strive to have the absence of suffering. Yes, well, you know, that's step one is to, is to have less pain in your life. Obviously, pain, when you have pain, how can you have pleasure? So, but our ultimate goal is to be in a happy state of a loving, compassionate, joyful place. And, and that is, yes. No, I was going to say, let's talk more about the pathways to get there. The truth yes. that you, um, you have developed or have discovered to, to, to come up with this path. We're going to, we're going to go to a break in a couple of minutes. But, you know, for me, I've always realized that, um, to be in one's happy place, that it is not about the destination, you know, the desire to be happy. It is the journey that ensues along the way. And the byproduct of that is one of increased happiness or increased positive emotion and well-being. So it becomes the very um, uh, path that we choose to walk on that is what produces that byproduct. And the interpretation of each step. See, Indeed, it, yes. yes. Yes, yes, agreed. Oh, I agree. I'm very, I'm very excited to continue this conversation. We are going to go to a break, and when we come back, we're going to continue with Daniel Parmigiani and talk about the magnificent truths that he has written about. To learn more about him, you can go to his website, magnificenttruths.com. On Twitter, he is at Dan Space Parmigiani. And I was waiting to say that with the full accent. <laughs> and you said <laughs> and, it very well. Thank you. And on Facebook, it is also Magnificent Truths. Um, I, I, I like this conversation because um, very often people don't want to talk about the, the dark side and how we find flow and joy when we have experienced difficult moments in our lives. We'll be right back and we'll carry on this conversation when we do. Here come those tunes. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. 
We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Do you like Lisa's take on happiness, well-being, and human flourishing? Join us this spring as Harvesting Happiness launches online classroom programming where Lisa Cypress-Kamen will offer her workshop series across the globe and from the comfort of wherever you are. Visit HarvestingHappiness.com for more details. Be a part of the grateful good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the Medical Center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness, because happiness is a choice, and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. And we are back. We are continuing our conversation with Daniel Parmigiani about methods of happiness and his new book, Magnificent Truths. So, Daniel, prior to the break, we were talking about pathways to happiness and and happiness as being the byproduct of being on the passionate path or the meaningful path or even a life of purpose, as many people would like to describe it. In your book, you write about this subject matter, and, and I would love for you to share some more truths about um, the pathway to happiness. Of course. Well, like I said just a few moments ago, happiness is our natural state. So it's all about recapturing that natural state. And it's a more about removing beliefs, removing negativity, negative labels, negative judgments we have placed on ourselves and others judgments we have placed on our existence, on our life, on what it means. Removing that, and you find that place again. And it's uh, it's replacing those beliefs with two very basic beliefs, two very basic truths about ourselves. The first one, that we're always innocent. That no matter what we ever do, we're doing the best we can with what we know at the time. And I, in my book, I take you step by step to, to making that realization within your own experience to verify this for yourself. This is very important. That is not just be a theory, but something that you feel in, within your own experience. And you say, yes, this is how I function. This is what drives me. And I understand how what goes on behind the hood, under the hood of my own person. And the second understanding about our true nature is that we're all equal, that there is no difference in quality between two people, that we're all equally worthy spiritual beings, that we're far more than all this. So these are the two beliefs that you need to experience constant happiness, to return to that happy place you started out with. And nothing else is really needed. And let's talk about returning to that happy place. Many of our listeners and and all of us will at some point in time experience uh, negative events, suffering, trauma, things that derail us from our happiness, that keep us separated from the experience. And yet um, there is a way, and you've described it somewhat, to, to find one's way back. Let's talk a little bit about your own experience that I mentioned in the introduction that uh, growing up in South America, you had a, a traumatic event in your family. Your, your brother died violently 
Yes, this is what started it all for me. It was I was only five, and my brother got shot and killed accidentally. He was 18, and this uh, traumatized the whole family, but especially my mother, who started overprotecting me and treating me like a baby, wanting nothing bad to happen to me. And this stunted my growth. This uh, made me a target at school. I, bec- I, I was bullied and picked on constantly. And it started the journey into self-doubt that many of us go to, go through, you know, where you start wondering, what is wrong with me? Why am I not okay? And, you know, placing all these labels and this, these uh, question marks about yourself that remove that happy place that we all have initially. Later on, I became, it, things got more and more complicated in my mind and I became extremely... Uh, uh, obsessive, compulsive, extremely perfectionistic, un- unable to embrace anything I ever did, critical of myself with everything down to tying my shoelaces. So it got to a point where I just couldn't live with myself. And I became pretty much obsessed with figuring out what does it take to feel better? I, I cannot feel like this anymore. And that's, that's one day when one day it hit me. I am always doing the best I can to feel better. This is all we ever want. This is what opened my eyes to our true longing in life, our common destination, which is not a place, but a state of mind that we're all looking for. I agree. This the state of mind, one, that, that being defined as joyful. And uh, yes. people often become confused when we talk about happiness, like I just want to be happy or everybody's goal is to be happy. Happiness is really a very light and fluffy word, and I love saying that on this show because it's um, you know the annoying yellow smiley face that I always talk about in the intro. But what we're talking about is something much deeper and much more serious. You know, it is really that state of peace, contentment, balance, where we feel that the world is right and we are right in the world. Yes, it is. Happiness is the perception of harmony, harmony within ourselves, where we are not, where that war we have within ourselves is over. We're not on, no longer in self-conflict, and it's embracing ourselves just as we are, peace within ourselves, and peace with the world, with our environment, finding nothing wrong or missing. This is what harmony is, and this is what automatically generates happiness. And when you speak of harmony, which I love, by the way, is being the new H word, you know, like, you know, it says a, a harmony is the new black. You know, if we were going to wear it as a little black dress, harmony is, is, is a great word because it implies that in harmony, you have all different levels of, of music. You know, you have the more, the, the, the alto, the, the baritone, you have different levels of music that are playing. Some are more joyful, some are more serious, but it is the fact that when all of those pieces come together, in fact, you have a tune that is more joyful than, um, than not. Or more uh, in sync. And I hope I'm describing it right. Maybe I'm losing my words here in the moment. But I think you you understand what I'm saying. Yes, harmony is union. It's things coming together as one. Thank you. And <laughs> I, I, yes, it's, it's true in music. It's true in life. It's true in everything. And uh, we are that oneness. And when we perceive ourselves as closer to that oneness, we start perceiving that harmony. And we start feeling part of that. And harmony is what creates the happiness. It's, you know, when you're in harmony, let's take the body, for example. The body, when the body feels like there's stuff missing, stuff wrong, you know, something, you're not getting enough vitamins, enough sleep, something is, is broken, you feel pain. That is disharmony. Things are not coming together as one. But when you uh, start getting more balance in your body, you start you you feel the relief, you feel the pleasure, and when you feel that there's very few imbalances in your body, when your body senses that, you feel great physically. Your body's in harmony. Your body's working as one. 
And the same is true psychologically and spiritually. Mentally, when we sense that there's something wrong or missing within ourselves, that we're not okay, that we're incomplete, that our lives are not complete, that there's something, that th things are a mistake, that's when we suffer. That's suffering, and that is the perception of disorder within ourselves and with, with our life. And the opposite is true. When you sense harmony, when you believe that things are the way they should be, including yourself, then you experience that happy state. Which happy, yes, I know happy is a word that, that has been so overused. And, and uh, let's just use uh, blissful then. When, uh, whatever it is that we are com at com in a state of complete satisfaction. And let's go back to the, the concept of finding happiness or understanding happiness in a state of suffering. For example, you were a young boy when your, when your brother died. But let's say we're dealing with somebody who has a loved one who has lost a spouse or a child or is going through a health challenge or may have a terminal illness. The, the, the concept of teaching happiness to somebody who is going through the suffering can be quite challenging. It's not impossible. It, it is making room for the experience of what is going on, not to bypass the experience, and also understanding the opportunity for learning, transformation, and growth from it. Yes, well, you know, unfortunately, things are, can be very, very harsh in this world that when we believe that this is all we are when we believe this is our, our one life here, uh, when, when we cannot see the bigger picture, and this is all of us, where we have this microscopic view of things. Uh, but even then, you can still make great progress towards reinterpreting the situation simply by allowing it to be. If it happened, let's work with it instead of resisting it. That is step one, and that is a huge step. Because when you're able to just say, okay, this happened in my life, a lot of people get stuck in the why, why did this happen? This shouldn't have happened. And they don't even work with what happened. They resist it and it just, and, and just there not being dealt with appropriately. When you instead decide, okay, this happened, it already is. So there's nothing I can do about it except work with it. And trust, have the, the faith that if God or whatever you believe in, put it in your way, that there might just might be something positive, something to be learned from it. Well, you know, two things come to mind. One is what you're suggesting is the, the concept of radical acceptance, which is a huge concept, you know, that uh, mm -hmm. coming to terms with bad things when they happen and the other is the notion of life in the fourth dimension that there exists some place or something beyond what we can see which for many um, requires a a leap of faith or b a, a mathematical equation that that proves it which um may be difficult at both ends of the spectrum it's not always easy to have blind faith and we do not have the mathematical equation to uh, prove that it exists except the notion that energy can neither be created nor destroyed yes and we are energy we and are our, energy our, our consciousness is energy uh, so that i believe that our consciousness continues simply because energy cannot be destroyed as you pointed out uh, our consciousness cannot be destroyed. Our body, yes, it can change into dust, you know, and it can change, it can transform, but that consciousness that embodies it. it but, it, you know, even, even if you don't believe that you, that you continue after this life, I believe that faith, true faith, is just simply having, trusting that life is good, trusting that our existence makes sense, that things that happen make sense, that it's not just random stuff happening. And it is just a, a trust in God and what he created. Well, this has been a lovely conversation. Thank you, Daniel Parmigiani, for joining us. To learn more, you can visit MagnificentTruths.com, Dan Parmigiani on Twitter, and Magnificent Truths at Facebook. And here are a few thoughts before we part. 
Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. Happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my guest today, Daniel Parmigiani. And we're going to have to actually cut that out because I don't have the other... um, uh, guest, the second guest name. So thank you for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress Kamen wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress Kamen. Join us every Wednesday morning live at 10 to 11 Central Time here on TogiNet Radio. Then harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with free downloadable podcasts available at iTunes. To learn more about Lisa's filmography, felicitation, and philanthropy, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Each week, Harvesting Happiness presents engaging trendsetters, exploring our world through science, art, medicine, media, music, philosophy, politics, and the human heart, whose perspectives on life are sure to inspire, provoke, and engage. Lisa's diverse guests are a proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Like Lisa says, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following us on Twitter at hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Then join us again next week at this same time on the TogiNet Radio Network.